Hello, Jack Cavendish here. Wanted to take a few moments to speak with you about something I'm quite passionate about. Lurking fears. If you love Cthulhu and Cairo and want to feel the same dread, terror, and occasional triumph, make sure to check out Lurking Fears when you head out to your next gaming convention. With a wonderful group of demented and wildly gifted storytellers, Lurking Fears is able to weave tales that will haunt your dreams and steal your sanity, which is something I know all too well. While specializing in Call of Cthulhu, Lurking Fears also runs a host of games from a variety of other systems, so there's literally an adventure for your every taste and style. They're committed to running heavy RPG adventures, which are driven by the narrative and, of course, by the player's choices. So do check out their Facebook page and make sure you follow them to find out which gaming conventions they will be at next. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. Well, it looks as if Faye is jumping headlong into yet another nightmare scenario. And if I know anything about this keep of Raz, is that we're likely facing hell on a horse with us under hoof. So I'd best load my weapons and head over to lend a gun, or two, just to keep the odds even. This episode is sponsored by our Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much for your continued support. If you're not a member yet, you can join our Patreon for as low as $1 per month to support the cast and crew of the Bardic College. Unlock bonus content featuring your favorite players, get exclusive access to shows you can't find anywhere else, and even get a chance to have Raz run a game of your choice. Visit us online at patreon.com slash thebardiccollege. You're listening to a 7th edition Call of Cthulhu podcast titled Cthulhu in Cairo, brought to you by the Bardic College. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to the show to receive notifications as our future episodes release. You can visit us on Facebook at the Bardic College. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Cthulhu in Cairo. I'm Raz, and we are, believe it or not, joined by the entire team. And it's been a while since we've had everybody in seats because life and summer and things happen. And sometimes the story says, well, we don't need you tonight. Take a night off. And then there's margaritas and all kinds of things. I do want to take a moment, though, and we know we always thank our patrons, and we, they mean so much to us, and they really do, because everything you guys do to help us keep the show running and uh, expand out to do like the videos now, we're trying to get into that uh, medium for everyone so that they can watch and see images that the players see. But also, sometimes, every once in a while, we do get something special in the mail. And today, I, was, I came home, and I found a Cthulhu pocket watch, which is really, really cool. And it was from... Um, Justin Wade, and I wanted to reach, send a shout out to Justin and say thank you so much for this. It's going to look great when we're live uh, at Origins next year in my suit pocket, tucked away, and um, it's just going to be at my desk all the time. It keeps really nice time. It's got all the uh, some of the elder gods around instead of the numbers on the face of the watch. So I posted some pictures uh, online. Everybody can take a look at those. But uh, listen, Pete, thank you so much. We we do this as because we love it. We do it because you know we want to share our stories and the adventures of these talented players uh, with everyone. But this to get something like this was was very heartfelt, and I just wanted to say thank you. So these episodes tonight, no matter what happens, Justin, it's on your head. Uh, what's how we're going to do that in Cairo? We're gonna... Wait, what? <laughs> Justin, yeah, I, I hope that they lessen fault. your sentence for this it's and you get out fault. soon. Justin, I'm coming to fault. collect my. De- I'm coming to collect the dead in blood. <laughs> so wow. whoever suffers tonight. Um, if I die, remember, it's on you. <laughs> it, Justin, these episodes are thanks to Justin. So we're going to go with that. 
Um, all right, so let's start off where we left off, which was kind of uh, everyone is in London getting ready to make their way back towards Africa and hooking up with Jack Cavendish. Vadim's children are now ready to go. They're they're kind of on. Uh, Anna is hesitant because she just really really enjoys the uh, the situation here in in London and at the Cobalt Club. But Oslin is definitely coming around. So the kids are kind of almost in a juxtaposition of where they were in Portugal. Uh, but Anna's not giving him a hard time. She's just, you know, mopey sad. Um, everybody's there but Jack. Jack is back in, in Africa. And when we left Jack, uh, as he said uh, something about regarding an, a pounding, uh, a, a tushy pounding. Oh, yeah, you you said I didn't expect to get blanked in the bum so quickly if you were listening to Jack's solo adventure. We left him with the two girls, like Shiva and uh, Anya sitting in a clearing, um, collecting fire, driftwood and firewood, not driftwood, but firewood, looking like they're trying to make a bonfire. And they said that they had friends who wanted to talk to them. And Jack and Kakayangu, this was no, this is no mas, no mas for them. So why don't we start there with that, Jack? And uh, we'll do that real quick, kind of get a flavor of what's going on there and turn it over to the other team who will be in route flying when we get back to them. So away we go. So Jack, yeah, the uh, the girls are in the truck as you instructed. You and Kakayangu have rifles loaded, and you're standing in the clearing. It, like I said, it was dusk after you got done with the uh, the the minister on his safari, and this is the this is what you see. You see the you know that infamous clearing that the tribe was at that season when the two girls were taken away uh, to to wherever the Taketu take people. Like you don't even know exactly where they go, but it's you were told it's not of this world, right? It's it's another place. Correct. Um, yeah, that's what you say. Yeah, well, I think where we left off was that um, I yell for Kakiengo to grab the girls to get them into the truck. Yep, they're there. Yeah, the, uh, the minister's got them in the back. I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna stand there and I'm gonna wait for them to return. Wait for who to return? Rate for the girls. They said that oh, the, the original said girls, that the girls that they were, were talking. The girls were coming, and I think yeah. wasn't was it just Kakayanga? Was there somebody else with us? Uh, the minister, the minister, the oh, guy yeah, who was yeah, on yeah, safari. Yeah, yeah, I think actually, yeah, I think that they were with the minister in the truck, and Kakayanga came out with me. That's exactly what because, I just said. Yeah, because yes. we were, or or exactly what you said, and um, that we were going to face them down together. Correct. So the ball's in your court. Okay, great. So. Uh, I guess how long you're waiting till night. To, are you, are you, first of all, are you lighting the fire? Fuck no. Excellent. Absolutely choice. not. Nope. We are not. No, I'm going to stand go. outside on the edge of the ring, kneeling down in the brush um, with one gun in my hand and as many other guns as I have loaded and laying in front of me. Well, this doesn't raise the pulses of everyone in the truck. Uh, yes. The, an hour goes by. Uh, sun goes down. You know, it's no longer that that red sky that you that as when you approached to pick the girls up, you're actually in you're it's it's nighttime. The the minister yells from the, the truck. Uh, is everything OK? Sir? Um, Mr. Cavendish, is everything well? Yeah, yes, everything's fine. Um, do you know how to drive a vehicle, Revan? Oh, yes. Uh, I, I mean, I can. Uh, yes. I think perhaps it might be better if you if you drove the girls back to the lodge. And Kakiengo and I will, will follow promptly. Would, would that be all right? I, I'd prefer maybe it's getting dark now, and, and I think that the girls should be inside. From the back of the truck, sir, I, I really didn't take much notice of our, of our path and direction. I, I would feel very overwhelmed at night trying to navigate this vehicle. Yes, well, that's not shocking. 
Um, <laughs> not shocking, given the keeper. Well, what do you want the guy to do? It's no landmarks. It's dark. Oh, that impractical keeper. <laughs> All right, lock them in the vehicle with you, please. This this may. Are you expecting trouble? Yes, I, I'm just... yes, I am. I'm expecting quite a bit of trouble. In fact, that's why I've laid out all of my weapons before me, loaded, and I'm sitting here waiting for trouble. Yes, you are wonderful. You're wonderfully observant, man. Shall I? Shall I at least uh, turn the vehicle so that the lights can can illuminate for you a little bit of that 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 space that the opening here? Yes, that would be would fine. That help you? Just point it to the center of the uh, the area where there is no grass, where the soul has been burnt away from the earth. And uh, Kakiengo and I will sit outside of the circle. All right. Go ahead and give me a sanity check. And if I refuse? Um, well, we'll call it a night. Uh, I think that's pretty much wraps that up. <laughs> 28 hey, is a good roll. That's a really good roll. Yeah, no, uh, you're fine there. Let me check on Kakiengo. Um, Jack is chilly. Kakayangu is a little shaky, but standing tall. There's very good reasons for that. Um, <laughs> no kidding. Uh, what would you, how long is long now? Because an hour does go by does, and nothing happens. How much wood is in the circle? How much wood did they gather? Um, they had, you know, maybe in 45 minutes. And they're two young girls. I mean, they weren't. Uh, enough to start a fire. I mean, you, but uh, but not like the fires that you witnessed, you know, almost twenty years ago. Nothing of that size. Um, I look at Kakiangu, and um, I say, I am not of the mind to face what I think we have to face with these girls here. And uh, I believe the only way to do that is to light a fire for them to come. So I am thinking, and I want your opinion on this, because we have been through so very much related to this, that we disperse the wood from the circle, drive the girls back to camp, back to the lodge, and then either I can come out by myself, or or if you would rather, we can come back together and deal with this. Well, uh, there's nothing... None, no one should face the Teketu alone. That is not the way, Jack Cavendish. You remember that... that no, we must do this together, but... I would say that for my people, I would also like to to take a moment uh, at the village and just give them a warning that perhaps they have come back. Yes, well, uh, they, they did. To know. They did threaten to come back in a generation. Uh, and if that is, if this is the time, then the tribe must know. I agree. I agree. Let's head. Let's uh, disperse the wood. Head back uh, through the village. You can. Uh, I will wait on the outskirts of the village. You can go into the village and then uh, tell them what's going on. And then we can take uh, the girls and the Reven back to the lodge. Okay. And work on our next steps. Yeah. So as you're driving back, uh, you make it that, you know, that 35, 40 minutes in the dark. It's a little slower going. But uh, you're nearly back to um, to the the actual where the village is set up now, where they've kind of put their their huts up and things and about half a mile three quarters of a mile from there in the headlights you see a young boy and a young girl uh boy probably about 12 maybe 13 girl probably around 11 and they're walking with sectu okay the uh witch doctor tribal healer oracle whatever you want to whatever term you want to use but they're walking and you you catch them in the headlights of the truck and you see them coming in the direction uh, from where you, you know, towards where you just left. Really in your path. 
I stop, I look at Kakayangu and say, I, I, I could be wrong, but I believe that bastard knows what's going on already. I don't know, Jack. We have to, we're going to have to hear him out and find out. Well, you can talk to him because the next time I talk to him, I'd likely put a hole through him. Uh, pull the car, pull, pull the truck here. I will, I will approach. Yes, and I do. All right. Back over to the ladies and to Vadim. Uh, Ella, Faye, Catherine, Vadim, Vadim's children, Ken Allard. Okay, so Allard was the entire that, Brady Bunch. The entire Brady Bunch. Um, it is the end of January, right? It's almost, it's probably like the 24th, I think, is where we I calculated roughly we're at with all the time back and forth to Rome, the seven days, the, the situation that happened there, flying back home getting Vadim's kids together. I think we're right around the 24th of, of, of January. So it, it's, it's right. It's winter right now. So, um, but London, it's been raining a couple days, nothing crazy. Uh, he does tell you that the gyro chapter th- that to get from London, as you're talking to Allard, because my assumption is you're still going to want him to either pilot or were you thinking to take planes? Cause there is no way there is a direct flight from London to Kenya, Nairobi. What you would have to do? Well, we have is to go through Portugal, United. right? You can go through Portugal. Well, we have to. That's what. For well, the that's ring. what you wanted to do. Oh, correct. oh, true. That's yeah, what yeah. I want to do. Yes. Well, no, no, no. That was the, the 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 thing was to stop and get the ring. So there's a land in Portugal. Then from Portugal to Nice, which is not that long of a flight, but from Nice is where you would fuel and make your jump to Benghazi in Libya. And then the long leg would be from Benghazi because there's not a lot of airports. You'd load up with you know fuel and stuff. Maybe have to make a field landing, but then you'd fly all the way down to Nairobi. Okay, so that's sort of what I was thinking would be the way that you would do this. Now Lisbon is again Lisbon's a stop. You're only going to be there a couple hours, so it would be a you know a fuel because from London to Lisbon's, I don't know maybe seven six hours five hours tops. Uh, these planes were doing about 150 miles, 160 miles an hour on top speed at that time. So yeah. Uh, Lisbon's not a problem. So if that works for everybody, you have options. You can do commercial jumps, but it will take a few extra days because there's going to be, you know, delays in timing and this, or you're going to have to ask Allard to take you. And he seems to be kind of enjoying, you know, tagging along. I'd say we'd give him that opportunity. What do you think? Yeah. If he offers. Sure. I, I, I'd hate to put him out, but I feel like he's expressed um, interest in our, mission and i mean he already said that he would do anything to help so yeah i mean if it's gonna save us time okay i say bring the pretty boy along yeah that too we will leave on the 24th and head right to portugal uh it is a up down no no mish no mosh for five hour five and a half hour flight the um you land there it's it's not a problem he does not use the gyro chapter so because of adam's kids and the all of your all of your gear now, including Vadim's and Vadim's children's stuff, which I mean isn't as much, but with all that stuff going into the plane, he ha- he's using an actual two prop, like small commercial plane, so something that holds probably fourteen people, 15, 16 people tops, but a little bit more comfortable, has a galley to it. You know, it's it's a little, it's more, it's a more uh, standard commercial type plane. Um, that would be a use in, in 1932. So that's it, it. The gyro chapter is off off screen at this point. Okay. It's a more traditional thing that even Ella can fly and all that kind of crap. Um, yeah. Avadam, you're met at the airport. Uh, Alvarez is there. 
And, you know, if, uh, do, do you let Oslin come off? I mean, you know what the ring looks like. You don't need him there. I didn't know if you wanted the children to get off the plane or you're just going to jump out while they get fuel. I actually ask uh, Anna to stay on the plane, but I usher Oz off the plane and okay. I, uh, I let him handle the transaction. Oh, okay. All right. So then you just, what do you just stand back and kind of. I guide, I'm there, but I let him, you know, interact with, uh, with uh, the gentleman in Portugal and, you know, pay for, you know, I let him keep the 400 pounds that he had uh, taken. Um, right. So I, you know, he, he, uh, he can handle the transaction, you know, sort of supervising, so to speak, but um, I want him to, uh, to get the feel of, of, uh, you know, what a transaction of this type feels like. All right. So I'm, I'm not going to role play out the voices of both Oslin and, and Alvarez. Sure. Uh, what I'll do is I'll do a roll. All right. Um, he seems a little bit more nervous maybe than you would, that you would have hoped. But again, he's a young man. This has been an authority figure in his life for several years. Um, he probably knows a little bit more about his operation than, than you have, than you've been privy to in the couple days that you've, you know, been around Alvarez. So maybe he's seen him threaten other people before or make, you know, have to be a little bit of a tough guy, but it, I mean, it goes off. There's no problem. There's no hitches. Uh, and as a matter of fact, you know, for a 15, 16 year old boy, you know, you ha- I mean, we're not talking pinky binders, but he did it. He did a decent job. You know what I mean? He, he was able to get the thing done. Can I uh, ask, a, it, can I make a role just to see how well I take in the whole experience so that later on, just, you know, as a matter of of uh, of of time alone between Vadim and Oz that uh, that I can, like, give him feedback um, on on what happened. Um, yeah. to, to sort of accurately assess the situation. Would that be like a maybe spot hidden or what would you think? Yeah, spot hidden would be fine. All right. I rolled a 14, a 10 and a four, which is actually a critical success for me. Yeah, that's, yeah, your spot hidden is off the charts. So the the overall, you know, you're, you, you're able to make up some points that where he probably could have stood his ground a little bit better or lowered the price down or haggle more. When to assert, when to push, when to when to, to go with it, that type of thing. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Right on. I just sort of make a mental note, you know, get back to the plane. I pull out my little nubby pencil and my little booklet, jot down a few notes for uh, when he and I have a time alone later on that I can, uh, you know, impart some thoughts to him. Do you instruct him to give it to her now? Or is this something you want to hold on to for when you get to... Kubawazi and you're going to the two, you know, you're going to be leaving and say, listen, Oslin's taking care of you. And look, he even got this for you. Is this to, is this to, you know, impact the point or is this to, as we're walking back to the plane uh-huh. or, you know, departing the, the, the transaction uh, with the gentleman in Portugal, you know, I would just say to him, you know, as I am going to, I'm going to leave it up to you to decide how and when you will give this to your sister. But uh, maybe let us arrive and, in Africa and let the situation unfold. And I think you will find the right time. It will, it will occur to you. All right. He says, uh, very well, father. I, I will, I will think as to when it would be best for Anna. It will mean most coming from you. Thank you for letting me do this. I kind of grasp his shoulder, you know, sort of give him a proud Papa look. So one of the things that I failed to, to mention, so we're going to just do a quick in, we rind, and normally I'm pretty good at not having this happen, but Vadim, there was a, Allard had offered or suggested to you, and you can say yes or no and tell me if they're on the plane, that the tutor was willing to take 
90 days, 120 days on the top end, to go with them to Africa to get Anna settled. And if the position, if the money's there and she wants to make it permanent, that's fine. But she was willing, she's on the payroll. So she's like, no, I'd be more than, not not sure, just as a governess, as a, as a teacher for their Russian, the whole bit. If that was an offer that was made, Vadim would 100% take him up on that. Okay. You know, a governess is something that, considering the circumstances, you know, he would probably be seeking anyways. They've already built a relationship with her. Um, and he'll do whatever he needs to do to make sure that uh, if, if that position becomes permanent, that he can manage taking care of her in the mean, in the fashion that she's used to. Yeah, absolutely. The um, So, yes, that would have actually been – so I, I, I did want to just touch base on that before we said they set off on the plane. But, um, yeah, we can still say she's there. So What's her name again? I I, yeah, that's great. Thank you. <coughs> uh, Polina. Poroskova, please. No, I'm just kidding. No, it wasn't. Um, oh, uh, Ventharov. Ventharov. Polina Ventharov. Yeah. It just takes me a second to read my, hand, my own handwriting, folks. Beautiful. If, at the end of all this, we're going to post all the notes for Cthulhu and Cairo which looks like some sort of sick shorthand written yeah. by a child in crayon. Which will drive you um, mad trying to decipher. Which will, Yeah, it's actually pretty bad. It's the Voira manuscript was probably easier to interpret. The page the, um, scans of the Keeper's uh, composition <laughs> notebook is quite a find. However, we oh believe God, he was a terrible. sociopath. My notes used to be so detailed and organized in the beginning and now the only note i have from last week's session was vadam's son oslan is a sticky fingered thief <laughs> well that's it i mean that's a highlight that was good yeah he's learning all right sometimes in my notes i just write if if um a situation has really vexed me i'll just write like an angry worded letter um but like to myself like i can't believe this happened i swear to god next time don't you cross me like that kind of thing. Wow. So <laughs> you, you send yourself fan mail about the episode. No, I'm just, just like, like, it's like journaling. <laughs> Joel pulls out the book. Yeah. I have yeah. binders. Of, of yes. Notes. I have a table of contents cross reference. <laughs> it's color coded. Catherine Ross's next. book of grudges. <laughs> book of grudges. I love that. You're going on the list. I think at one point my notes just went like for an an entire session because I date them. I think a couple weeks ago it just said this bitch. <laughs> okay, and I'm not even sure that may have been Ella reading the sarcophagus. Look I at the have date. no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Ella, you're on the everybody. Like I said, everybody gets back on the plane in Portugal. There's about an hour delay while they refuel to make the trip to Nice. Nice is uh, that that leg by the time it's done is is longer, you know, because you've done Portugal that day and you jump to Nice at, as the it's getting it's dark, but they land. Um, again, flying at night, really done only occasionally and rarely, unless the pilot's very well known. A lot of the airline airports didn't have lit runways, uh, especially, and like when you get to Africa and stuff, no, the answer is you just don't fly at night. That's ridiculous. So bigger airports, airports that are really run by not commercial, because most things at this point, even if they're commercial, they were, there's only a couple of commercial. I mean, airlines are kind of like also run by governments. Um, it's commercial. They they fly, you know, civilians, but it's like a British Airways thing, right? It's not private yet. It's still run. It's funded by you know members of government to see just to get the the, the thing off the ground because it does say if you read anything about 1932 air traffic, uh, air flying, it was still very much a oh really you're going by air? <laughs> I wouldn't do that in a million years. That kind of thing. So Nice is Nice. 
you know, uh, it does. It is raining uh, when you when you land, but uh, you find a beautiful hotel. Everyone's put up for the night. Um, Paulina has the kids fed. Everyone's gathered well, you know, together. Things are going fine. And, um, you know, the next morning you'll be able to take off as normal. So back to you, Jack, for a moment. Kakayangu approaches Sek2 when you see him talking. And he kind of turns and looks at you. And in the headlights, you see him, Jack, doing this, like beckoning you out to come out. It's up to you if you wish to do that. But he is asking you to. Who's calling me? Come hither. Kakayangu. Oh, okay. I, I get out and um, I make sure there's a pistol in my holster. And I walk over. So he says, Jack, Sektu was coming to try to find us because these, this young boy and girl, Jando and Mephesa, they have something they need to say to you. Say it to Jack Cavendish. We, we con- told the girls to, to speak um, to, to the... To, we told them that other girls would come we told them what happened, the legend. We, share, we, we did it to, to scare them, to make them leave, to make them go. And we told them that if they sat at that clearing, eventually the girls, Zenny and Nani, would, would come back. We, we, we made a lie for them. I kneeled down between the kids and I pulled. No punching. I'm not punching kids. Okay, sorry. I kneel down in front of the kids. I sort of bring them towards me and I say, now listen. And I look between the two of them. I understand what you did. I do not feel it was right. And it possibly could have hurt those that I love because they could have been attacked by any manner of wild animal. When you're out here on the Serengeti, on the land, you know that you're supposed to look out for each other and not let anybody wander off. Is that not true? We want them to go. Why do you want them to go? He looks to Sektu and Sektu just nods and Kakayangu kind of shakes his head and he says, your, my parents say that when your father came, that he asked to settle here in the land, asked to set a house and said for his lifetime, he would let people know about the beauty of this place and that he would, when it was his time, he would go. He would be buried here and we'd be done. Now we hear from servants that work at the house that you also will stay and that you are keeping the land. But the land, my, my parents do not think the land is for everyone to keep. It is for all to share. And then now the woman who does the cooking, who comes back to the village, she says that you are planning to leave it to these girls who are not even, not even from here, not part of us, not, just like you. How many people can keep land that was never meant for them? It, is our, it, it belongs to us, no? I don't understand this. It's, it, it, your father made a promise, but now he breaks that promise. He gives to you. We know you, Jack. You raised among us. I understand you're part of the tribe. Who are they? They will become my children because their parents... But they are not accepted by us. They have no right to this land. They don't need to be accepted by you. They're accepted by me. That land was not granted to my family. We took it. You need to understand some things that children sometimes don't understand. The world is changing, and the way that you lived and your families lived before your families will change with it, and you will evolve. When my father said that he would leave the land, I'm sure that he meant it. And my father will leave the land, and he will be buried in the land, and he will fulfill that right. And I will maintain the land, and I will ensure that it is safe, that the game is safe, and that your people are safe. 
and I will become your safeguard and ensure that it is safe and your whole family and the tribe will be safe here as well. These girls are becoming part of my tribe. They are not part of your tribe. They are part of my tribe. And as each grown-up moves into the world, they start their own tribe. I'm sorry that you don't understand that. They have seen great loss in their lives, and they need someone to care for them. It sounds like a broken promise. And I stand up and walk away. Okay. Back to the truck you go. The uh, the plane, uh, t- Allard has everybody on board by 8.30 after crumpets and tea and all that good stuff. So the plane takes off, and it's this time it's heading for Benghazi in Libya, which is not far from. It's right up on the sea, basically. Uh, the airport will be on the other side, but yeah, it's it's a seaport. So basically, today you're just going to cross into the sea, circle back around from Benghazi, and and land, and then from there you'll start the longer trek, where you know everything will be be settled by about eleven thirty a.m. You're you, there's no land around you anymore. You're you're well over the water, and. Um, Getting some wind, some chop. There's, you know, the standard basic, you know, turbulence and things of that nature. You're also getting a little bit of rain, but that's, you know, it's the time of year again. You're still, it is what it is. You're not getting snow because you're heading towards the equator. I mean, it's starting to get a little warmer, but you're definitely getting that cold air, you know, fronts moving in and and the bounce on the plane. Ella, what are you doing? Are you up front with Mr. Allard? Are you trying to learn to fly? What are you? Yeah, I'm always up front with him, like learning the tricks. Oh, okay. Not flirting. <laughs> you know. Learning learning tricks, but not flirting. Yeah, okay. learning the tricks of the trade, but totally not I bet surreptitiously running my fingers along his arm. Because, you know, I have to learn the steering. So it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. He asked you not to do that with his expensive suit and your bloody palm. <laughs> um, let's move on from that. Uh, I'm not bloody please, anymore. No. I thought they fixed that. You were calling his mitts off the pilot. <laughs> God, you can't let me just have my moment with the freaking hottie. You made him attractive. Now is not the time. Like our lives are at risk. This is this is flight. Do you understand? Our lives um, are always at risk. So Ella, go ahead and make me a pilot roll. I'm going to make a pu- roll for Allard. You're going to make one for yourself. Let's see who's actually showing who something because there may be things you know that you know that he doesn't. If you fucking so crash Allard, the plane because you're nobody's flirting, gonna crash nobody the plane. can crash the plane. We're just like having a good time. If you crash it because you're flirting, I'm going to. I, want you I got a four. That's a critical. Okay, so you beat his roll, <laughs> which wasn't going to crash the plane, but wasn't quite that good. <laughs> He's actually like, oh. Is is that really where the secondary landing device, you know, the, in case the main landing, well, that's, I didn't know that, Miss uh, Miss Walcott. Thank you. So that's how you raise the landing gear. <laughs> you put it back down. What's up? So there's a hand crank as well. Yes, Mr. Allen. <laughs> I just read the, the little label on top of the device there. <laughs> oh, it, uh, is that what that land gear? I didn't, I see. Land gear. It's all right. I, I'm sure I once mistook fragile for fragile. Of course you did. Well, you've you obviously know your way around a plane. Would you? Uh, and, and he makes some reference to "Would you like to take the stick?" Which is the nut word for a pilot's thing. So you're able to do that for a while. You fly. He stretches his legs. He goes back, makes sure everybody's okay. Um, pours it. Pour, pours himself another Manhattan or something. What's a what's a, a midday beverage? Manhattan. That's probably late late 1930s. Right? Let's say Rob Roy. A Rob Roy, okay, a Rob Roy, so, you know something, just a little lighter, a little coke, <laughs> a little coke in it. Afternoon constitutional, yeah. 
just just keep the courage up <laughs> and uh, passes those around to everybody. Uh, Catherine knows the mixture well. She's already actually produced, you know, she has a pitcher of Long Island iced tea or something that would, that's a more co- more modern drink, but whatever the equivalent to that would be uh, next to her feet, sort of on the ground. Uh, what is, Vadim, uh, what are you, are you, is Polina's probably teaching, the, doing their kids through their, to keep their minds on things, just going through daily, you know, their regular repertoire of schoolwork. So it gets to be about 2, 2.30 in the afternoon. Wind's definitely gotten a little bit crazier and heavier uh, as you're as you're almost over the the, the top. Of the, like you're you're probably less than an hour out of Benghazi at this point, right? Ella, go ahead and make me a, a listen roll, please. Alrighty, let's see if I can get a double critical. Oh, you mean a critical two critical successes, not a double critical like one of them? Yeah, speak that into existence. Two critical successes, okay? Two critical successes. <laughs> well, unfortunately, nothing. I only got a fifty-one, and my listens to thirty-five. Ella doesn't listen; she's more of no. a doer. Wow, <laughs> Catherine. So, so everybody else on the plane, with a slight penalty. Ken, please go ahead and make me a listen roll. The penalty will be add 10% to the roll. I, um, Faye failed it, and I think I subconsciously failed it because I don't want to hear whatever horrific thing is about to happen. Hmm. Probably the wing ripping off. I rolled a 93 and a 33, so I will take the 33, add... 43. Oh, so add 10 to it. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I was going to say 10% would make it like 37, but okay. No, no, add 10, yeah. All right, 40. So 43 is still a big success for you, right? Uh, yes, that's a regular success. Yeah, okay. All of you guys um, are such good listeners. I didn't hear anything. I'm yeah, Keep in mind, everyone, that I'm traveling. It's all that has to be said. Here, yeah. here, I'll paint the picture. It's Catherine is talking very closely into Faye's ear. Faye is desperately just trying to focus on her book, and she's like, please take a nap. Please, right. I'm begging you to take a nap. Rule Britannia. <laughs> Britannia rule the waves. So, Vadim, you're the only one who actually made the roll. Is that correct? Am I getting that? I think so. Vadim, the sound outside the cabin goes from to like the engines over revving? Yeah, the engines are really revving high. Mr. Allard and Ella are still both up in the cockpit. Correct. Okay. And they're talking. You know, not wanting to obviously alarm my kids or the yep. or the others in the plane. Um, I get out, you know, kind of just going to go check up in the cockpit, you know, unbuckle myself, walk up to the front, mm-hmm. get up close to them. So, well, they wouldn't be able to hear me. It's loud in there anyways. And I and I bring that to the uh, the attention of uh, Ken Allard and Ella, you know, do you hear the uh, the engines, you two? They, they are quite loud. The uh, sounds alarming, I might say. Oh, that's just normal just, droning, darling. Uh, there is a distinct difference. The uh, the hum has uh, become very uh, very uh, revved up. Do you not hear that, Vadim? You look out through the front windscreen of the plane, and it is just fog. It's just really dark, dense cloud. So much so that. You can't see five feet in front of the plane. Like, the plane is just in cloud cover. Now, you're not used to flying, right? This is not something you do often. Uh, probably not ever from the front of the plane. Pilots fly all the time in cloud cover, right? It, it can happen. Instrumentation, right? yeah. Yeah, there's some instrumentation on these planes. I mean, not like we have today where they would know exactly where they are. But 
there's also much fewer. But they had altimeters, I think, at that point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, they did. So the pro the, the thing right now is is that he's flying what you know on the blind. So he's kind of got a map out, and Ella's got the ruler, and they're trying to calculate, and they're they're like, okay, and he, I'm gonna make a roll for him. He says, um, uh, very well, Mister Kavilov. Uh, I don't, and he, you see him bring the the lever down, and um, you hear the engines dial back just a little bit. <laughs> They do, they do seem to dial down a little bit for you. You do hear the plane kind of, the engines aren't quite as peaked, quite as loud. So I would take that as just, you know, the, the, the airplane was operating in some way and got out of, you know, they, they weren't aware. And now it seems like it's back operating under, you know, normal operating uh, guidelines then. Seems as far as you can tell, the sound goes back to about the tone that you remembered from before. So I, I say, um, you do seem like you have your hands full. Please do not crash plane. I will go to the back again. Um, we're just just trying to make sure we know when to come down a little bit uh, out of this out of this soup and uh, get ourselves ready for to land in Benghazi. We still we still estimate they're about forty five minutes out from radio con radio tower. We'll let them know where we are. We'll be fine. Should be no problem. I give him a curt nod and. I would just strap in, Vardom dear. Oh yes, it's definitely going to be bumpy. I, I, I will follow that direction. Thank you, Ella. And Vodum, you get back to yeah, yeah, your seat as quickly as possible. <laughs> Fortunately, it's not a very long cabin. It's like, you know, 15 strides to the back if you really push it. Like, uh, you're back and, you know, the, your daughter looks and goes, is everything okay, Papa? No, it's it's just fine, sweet thumbs. It's very, it's, it's, they, they have everything under control. All right. Um, but I am going to be like acutely aware of the engine noise so i'm just like listening to that engine noise like i don't want to hear that again so about 25 30 more minutes more minutes go by and you know it's it's really the the cloud cover really hasn't gotten much better he he does yell back into the into the from the cockpit that they're going to start uh doing a descent he starts to just you know you don't even feel it i mean a good pilot when they start their descent it's not it you know it's gently coming down you know, a hundred feet every five, 10 seconds. It's not like they're dropping out of the sky. Uh, but you, you, you know, he tells you that he's going to start, try to get out of the cloud cover and, and get ready to, you know, get everything set up for the, the approach into Benghazi. The, the rain picks up a bit and we lost others. Oh, the rain picks up for a little bit and lightning starts, you know, it's, 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 it's starting to crack. I mean, it's, it's a storm, right? There's, it's going to have some rain and some wind and some lightning. The, the, you know the the thunder cracking the the sky lighting up in in pieces uh everybody go ahead on the plane and make me a spot hidden ella you're yeah you can make one as well i was gonna say you're probably on the charts but by now do you want me to make one with a minus because you're drunk yeah wait lauren's asking for a disadvantage without prompting i'm I trying know. to be honest <laughs> wow. lauren that's called g and t judgment we like to keep that Let's keep that where it is. Oh, it doesn't matter. All right, that's a hard <laughs> success for me for spot hidden. Faye got okay. a thirteen, which is a critical success. So thank God Excellent. someone saw it. I got a twenty-two, which is a hard success. What horrific thing am I about to witness, Keeper? Um, this is like no, no, freaking no. airplane movie that we watched in World War One or something. I'm gonna hurt you with the freaking no. bat creatures. No, no, the no. gremlins. What? Shadows in the cloud. No, um, that was Shadows in the Cloud. It was World War II. It was a good the, movie, guys. Watch it. It was, yeah, it was, it was well done for a low budget film. The, 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 the clouds seem to be coalescing. 
they're they're kind of they're they're gathering together. Um, there's a type of cloud that that does this. I don't remember the name of all the cloud types, and I apologize. But there's one type of cloud where you'll you'll have like just these big voluminous types that of clouds that gather together. Cumulonimbus. That's the one I knew. I never. I know. Scott, we should do a digital high five for getting that right. Thank you. Yes. Each of you can take an additional roll later on. Yay! What the hell? That was a (laughs) simultaneous yay. (laughs) What the heck? We, we knew our clouds. Right? Ooh, we knew our clouds. We, we, knew nerds. <laughs> we nerds. paid attention to our science. All the history facts. What the dickens? I'm sorry, guys. I'm speaking from a place of fear and anguish. Weather nerds. <laughs> Can't stand you weather nerds. It's clear you guys did not pay attention in fourth grade science, and I feel sorry for you. The, the lightning cracks off on the left-hand side of the plane. And when when that when that happens... The the clouds there seem to be in a long um, tubular appearance, like a long, just um, almost like a pool noodle, right? This long, just like they're gathering and then t- turning to a point where they kind of begin to look like, just like I said, a long cylinder uh, that is extending way beyond the long- length of the plane. I just realized I flipped Kayla a cheeky middle finger and she's not even on the point. Excellent. What? <laughs> Your sister threw you the bird for being a weather nerd and you're not even on roll 20 to it to to be to receive it. So now we have to pass it on verbally. It's all right. The other weather nerds on roll 20. Well, you know what? I I'm sending you a sign through the ether as well. It's amazing. Excellent. Okay, so so there's a whole cylinder outside is what you're explaining to me. There's a cylinder in the cloud. And again, it's this rolling set of clouds that has gathered and now seems to be whatever the wind pattern is doing, it's causing this this roll, this, this, this these things to just kind of twist and turn. Everybody, let's talk power. P-O-W. Who has the lowest power on the plane? Faye, what's your power? 55. Catherine? 65. Fuck. <laughs> Ella. BRB. What? She just texted <laughs> the group chat BRB. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bottom? I'm 70. What the fuck, people? You're small. Shut the fuck up. Power isn't about just small. Oh. I think if I remember, Ella's is outrageous. Oh it's pretty God. fucking high. As, as a cultist, it, it would seem like it would be high. Same, it tends to be like power is like your ability to to you know withstand. It's like your willpower, right? I can withstand. <laughs> you used to be able to. No, I can't. I've withstand it everything so far. God damn it! If I get five, is not bad. Why does it matter what Faye's willpower is? There's kids on the plane. Catherine Ross. <laughs> First of all, Catherine Wow, Ross. throw the kids under the train. <laughs> Shouldn't the weak-willed little nubblings get it first? <laughs> I'm sorry, Vadim, but if anyone's going to open that door and step outside, it should be Oslin. He's a thief anyway. <laughs> Society wow. no do-gooder. Wow. Wow. Words were never heard. Wow. 
there is there is a survival instinct in my child that is just so strong. Hey, don't we have NPC nubblings that can take this shot? Don't fucking go for Faye. You take them right, right there. I love that nubblings has become a thing. Nubblings is now a thing. Yeah. Is it is Ella, are you back? Back. Sorry, I had to do something on yep. mic. What is your P O W, your power? My power, dear Geeper, is a seventy. God fucking Ooh. damn it. Power twins. Okay. Hey, I lied. Um, face power is in eighty-five. Um, <laughs> I. You keep that. <laughs> you hold on to that for the rest of the night. Just... <laughs> it's gonna be the only thing I have left. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Gosh, I feel like the chaos if is I... back. What about Paulina and Kent? No, Kent's flying. Leave Kent alone. Yeah. What about the governess? She can't have a high power. She deals with. She kids. deals with children. It's a hundred. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I deal with a lot. Uh, so the t- the tube of these clouds, Faye is bending. Everyone, you're like, I was bending. And out of your window, as you look out, it pulls. And f- inside, you see there is mass. A black, long, what looks to be arm. And it slaps the left engine of the plane. And the whole plane jerks screams from the people that are not pulp heroes, i.e. the two kids, the nubblings like Lauren was mentioning just a moment ago. The governess is screaming. The plane literally almost goes ass overhead, just as he's trying to hold on, as out is trying to hold on to this, just wrestling with it. Ella, make me a piloting roll, and I'm going to make Allard's piloting roll. We'll see what's going to happen like there. Critical success, as- it doesn't carry over? No. Ella, oh. channel the critical. The critical success. The critical success. Ah! I'll let that better be a good scream. It's not. <laughs> no, my God. Damn it. That is a fail. It's not a critical. It's an 88, but God damn. That's a fail. <laughs> it's a fail. I was. I showed so off when can... things were great, but now I'm, I'm useless. <laughs> so you can push. You can push the roll. No. Because it's a skill. Oh my God. You can push it by telling me what you're trying to do to get the plane back under control. Who's got an eye? Uh, we, don't, we don't need an eye of our mind. I'm going to push. I'm going to push this. You don't want to fail the push. I but know that's okay. I don't want to fail the push, sir. All right. So what are you trying to do to get the plane back under control? Are you, you sticking your legs down to get the, the, the wings under? Because remember, there's pedals. I'm going to say that... We're we're spin. Are we spinning out of control? Like you said, uh, the plane lurched hard left and is like sort of on a half dive. It's it, Allard's got it from going totally in, uh, you know, upside down. But the plane is rocking. I mean, it's just and, and the engine's just <laughs> sputtering and smoke. I kind of am thinking like Dune, where I I just kind of want to let it go and just kind of ride it because if we let if we overextend the engines, it'll go like it'll blow. So if I'm gonna push it, I'm gonna try to like loosen up a bit let go of some dials and just see if i can get it underway that way does that make sense so you're not trying to are you trying to kill back on the engines to keep them from exerting because you're gonna dive just whatever you're I'm gonna trying, do you trying, know I feel like i'm I, not a pilot either so yeah i feel like i'm gonna try to dive out of its way by letting go and okay. it's good it's, gonna, so hey, go ahead, it's gonna hurt for everybody but i have to you don't want to blow the engines and try to force yourself over it okay yes that's a freaking 16 so that's a Allard hard success is, now. Bam! Allard is grabbing with white knuckles. He failed his role. He is not, he did not have this plane fully under control. 
But with the two of you leaning into it, you're able to bring the plane back over up on, you know, up on its side. And you're, you've kind of righted it and you're keeping that left engine, the elevation's a little off because you're getting so much more power off the one side than the other. Faye. Leave me alone. Faye. (laughs) Why is she seeing everything? Well, no, no. She just knows the engine got hit. She looked out of the clouds and you, Faye, inside your head, mortal, hear me. And that's where we'll stop for tonight. You evil, twisted man. <laughs> We're going to end it there. No. I am so upset with you. We'll pick it up next time uh, on Cthulhu and Cairo. This is Raz. Thank you to the whole team. They are somewhere over Libya right now, flying with a plane that has been taken damage from something otherearthly that has happened outside the cockpit, outside the plane's body itself. Faye seems to be the only one manifesting exactly what it is. Everyone else just felt the engine give uh, and this massive, you know, the smoke is now coming out of the engine. It's bellowing. We also left Jack in Africa dealing with, again, the tribe is having these frustrations right there. It's this growing pain of not understanding why these girls are coming. And um, it's this whole dichotomy of, you know, what's mine is mine. Yours is mine. Ours is ours. And it's that, it's that point in history where things were just very convoluted for them, but he's still, you know, Kublawazi's his, it's everything's fine there. And the girls are going to definitely inherit one day. So, uh, but until next time, this is Raz saying, thank you. Thank you players. Uh, and again, thank you to Justin and to all of our patrons for everything that you do and our listeners. We really appreciate you guys, your love and support, and we'll see you next time. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cthulhu in Cairo. You can like, share, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. The music you're listening to is Return of the Mummy by the great Kevin MacLeod. Join us next time to see where our intrepid explorers find themselves next.